Welcome to GRIT, the Real Estate Growth Mindset Podcast, hosted by Brian Charlesworth, founder of Sisu. Sisu provides growth automation software for real estate. You'll hear stories from real estate thought and technology leaders, team owners, and brokers on how they grew their business in a rapidly changing industry. You'll learn how to transform your brokerage and teams into a high-performing and analytics-driven business so you have a new, durable, competitive advantage against disruption in your market. So let's get right into it. All right. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to The Great Podcast. I'm Brian Charlesworth. I'm the founder of Sisu, where real estate transacts online, and your host of the show. And today, I'm here with Matt Mick, and super excited to be here with Matt. I've known Matt now for I want to say three years at this point. I believe I met you three years ago, Matt. So we were at, uh, we were at, I believe it was Jeff Cohn's event in Nebraska. Is that right? Is that where we met? I think so. Yeah. And of course, running into each other at other conferences, but I think that's probably where it originated. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, I know we just got finished being at the summit. Zach went there to Jeff's event this year. Were you there this year? Yeah. Yep. Saw Zach, talked to him about a few things. Okay. Um, he goes way back too, because he's been with you since I think the beginning. So it was good catching up with him and uh, yeah. hearing what you guys got coming on. So, yeah, very exciting. So, yeah, uh, Zach actually started out writing blogs for our company. And uh, we we basically, when he was getting ready to graduate from college, we didn't want to let him go. So anyway, he's been great. So anyway, Matt, when I met you, I think you just had like you had a small team doing maybe a hundred transactions. Maybe you can give us an update on that. That was three years ago. Today you're shooting for 500 transactions. So, I mean, just massive growth. Congratulations. I think every team owner out there is like, Hey, I want to, I want to do that. And uh, just the number of transactions you guys are doing is phenomenal. And so just to see, to see you and watch you go from here to here to here, that's one of the things I love most about what we do here at CC. So I'm grateful to have you on the show today. What do you want to add to that? What did I miss? Yeah, I mean, you're right. I think we had five, six agents when we jumped over. Um, honestly, at that time, our, our sales from year to year stalled out a little bit. We'd only seen a, a pretty minimal growth and tried to try to figure out what we can do, needed a better way to manage everything we had going on. So I think that's when we jumped on with you guys and then started seeing just some pretty, pretty quick growth. And CSU's buying that a lot, giving us the ability to you know, get our transaction staff focused on being able to do more because it's able to just capture everything, you know, through automation. Yeah. Awesome. So tell me before CSU, what were you doing to manage your business? What did, what did the operational side look like? What did the sell side look like? I really want to like go back in time and just really see how, how that's helped you transition um, your business and, and how you guys really run a different business today than you did back then. Yeah, I mean, we were uh, always believed in tracking. You know, if you're on a business, and I think that's where a lot of people miss when they're running a real estate team is they're not tracking enough. Uh, but we were using, you know, probably Kevin McGowan, um, using some of his gold old spreadsheets, really. I mean, there were 50 rows across, 300 rows down, you know, a thousand different little functions built into it that if one messed up, you're spending two weeks trying to figure out where you messed it up. Um, so yeah, we were tracking our prospecting there, our sales, our ROI on, on lead sources, everything in those spreadsheets. So 
Um, CC was nice because it, it cleaned it all up, made it far more difficult to mess something up. And if you did, it was easy to find it. Okay. So that's, that's on the sales side. You were tracking everything in, in spreadsheets. What were you doing on the, just for your TC? I think you only had one TC at the time, but like, what were they doing? How were they managing those transactions back then? Were you in Trello or what were you doing then? No, I mean, honestly, she had built a few of her own Excel spreadsheets to keep track of things. Okay. Um, so it was just a hodgepodge of whatever, which, you know, having CSU when we started hiring on more TCs made it a lot easier for us to just sit them into a seat and put them to work because it was all just built out. And I mean, anybody could fill in CSU. That's what I love. That's what I love about having systems, right? With having those systems in place like you do now, if you hire somebody, you just start assigning transactions to them and they, everything they need to do is right in front of them, right? Yep. So, so going back in time, that, that was where you were, you were doing how many transactions then? I think we're around like 140-ish our first, that first year. And I think that's when we reached out to you guys because we wanted to grow and we needed a better system to do that than a bunch of cumbersome, you know, Excel worksheets. Okay. And so today, what, what is your goal this year? Where, where do you guys want to be by year end? And your goal is around probably 500. Um, we've got a team of, we float between 12 to 17 agents, mostly full-time. So um, they're cranking them out. And uh, our market price point's about 250. We're about 60 million, close to 60 million closing under contract right now for the year. So I think I've just... Thanks. Thanks. Yeah. I mean, two years ago, we finished at just over 50 million for the, for the whole year. So, and that was with a pretty similar size team. I think we had about 12, 12, 15 agents a couple of years ago. Uh, so it's, it's fun. It's exciting. So how are you doing with the same size team? How are you doing so many more transactions? Like training, it's a bunch of training. Uh, our agents we brought on two years ago, were all brand new right out of school. So we spent a ton of time and resources getting them up and going. And now they're, they're up and going, self-sufficient. And we're getting to the next stage of our business. We've gone through growing pains, trying to figure out where do we go find those next agents to help us continue to grow to where we want to be here in Lincoln. Okay. So it sounds like you've recruited mostly new agents that you guys have actually trained. You've trained them to follow your systems. And I, you know, I talked to a lot of team leaders, broker owners, and you know, some people prefer experienced agents and some people prefer 100% new agents so that you can actually train them to go out and operate the way you want to operate. Is, is that how you guys think? Yeah, I think so. We have a pretty small pool of agents in our market and we've got like 800 total agents and, you know, 80% of those are close to retirement. And so our, our actual pool of agents that we could go after is pretty small. And so... And they're pretty happy, it's seemingly. Being small, a little bit dated of a, of a community industry here, uh, a lot of, there's a lot of misconception on teams as well. We always battle that too. And so those are things that we're always working on, little speed bumps we're trying to get over. What is the misconception on teams? What are you, what are you referring to? Man, everyone I talk to, they think that they're splits with the brokerage and then with the team and all this. They think their money's getting pulled out seven different ways. It's, it just baffles me. And it really just comes back to us not educating them more. They just don't know, really. Yeah. So. so I know when we first started CSU and we started rolling out commissions and commission forms, a lot of 
There were a lot of teams back then. I think everyone is open to sharing 100%. Here's your commissions here. I want you to see everything. But back then, there were a lot of teams that were like giving pushback on, you know, I don't want my agents to see their commission breakdowns. I don't want that. How do you feel about that? Oh, yeah, we're completely open. I mean, if you have the right mindset of agent, they're going to want to know what they're making. They're going to want to know all of that. If they're, if they're the mindset of tracking how we want to be tracking things, I mean, that, that includes tracking your income. Yes. And so we're 100% on board with that. Um, and they, I mean, they fill out a commission form. They get, it goes to our accounting. It comes back. They see where everything's split, where it goes, who gets what. So yeah, you've got to be transparent that if you're not, I don't know that you're going to retain agents very well because they're going to always be thinking, well, can I get more money over there without even knowing how much money they're actually getting today? Yeah. So I met with a coach a few weeks ago who said, that one in 10 agents who come into the industry today survive. But they said that one in every three agents that come into a team survive. And I don't know what survive was. I think it was doing, you know, like at least 10 plus transactions a year and, you know, survive is barely getting by. Right. And so then you have those that are really doing well and you have those that aren't, but like what kind of, what kind of results there? What kind of outcome have you seen with the people you're recruiting? How many, how many of those actually end up making it? Yeah, one thing we've been pretty proud of is our retention that we've seen with our agents. We certainly don't have many agents that have left our team that have stayed in real estate and gone off and done their own thing. Uh, most just realize they're not meant to be real estate agents. It's too demanding for them. Uh, but we've had really good retention. We've always kind of praised ourselves on being an open book right? Like, here's what you're making. Here's what we do for you. We also, I think, do a lot more on the value side for our agents and a lot of people as well with a full-time marketing director. I mean, we schedule appointments for our agents. They just have to show up at the office um, and then work with those clients out. We have showing assistants, you know, TCs that handle all the paperwork. So our agents are pretty spoiled in that, in that manner, I would say. So I think that really helps with the survivability of that. Yeah. And we go, we do evaluate where their business comes from. And, you know, quite a few of our agents have a good portion of their business coming from the team. And I don't know if they were to lose that, if they would have made it, you know, two, three, four years now on just their own business. So let's talk about that for a minute. How you said that, you know, you, you track that. It's not like you're tracking everything, but I mean, how do you keep track of that? How do you have conversations with your agents about how much business is going to them? from you versus what they're bringing in from their SOI. Like how do those discussions happen? Is that in a weekly one-on-one and what, what's the flow of that if that's when it is? Yeah. So we have a weekly team meeting with everyone. And then we sit down with each agent one-on-one every week as well for about 20 minutes. Um, and we, you know, we go over accountability as far as, you know, how they're handling their CRM. We also have a little scorecard we keep as well for those agents. So making sure they're hitting the goals that they set for themselves, that they're staying on top of their CRM. Um, if they're not at their sales quota, we we have, you know, kind of a requirement, quote unquote, that they come to the trainings so they can continue sharpening their acts. So when they get out there, they can convert these leads. And as long as they're hitting those quotas, it's four out of five metrics every week we track. They continue to stay on lead rotation in which we give them leads that are ready to go leads or appointments set for them. Are those being set through an ISA or how are you setting? Yeah. Yep. So ISA, 
through pay-per-click ads, Craigslist, Zillow, um, they all flow through him and then he distributes them accordingly. Okay. So it sounds like you have one ISA right now. That's correct. Yep. And how long ago did you bring in an ISA? Cause my, my take is everybody right now, every team leader right now is they're either doing ISAs now or they're like saying that's where I'm going. Like that's where I need to be. I need to be generating my own leads. So tell me what that process was like, how you set that up. Cause I, I know for a lot of people, they've had challenges in, in getting that set up. So. Yeah. And that's, you know, a pretty tough retention spot, I'd say, you know, it's the money is on the other side of that on the outside sales portion. Um, I was fortunate enough. It was a buddy of mine that I've known for a decade, you know, and he was looking for a change, got him in. He's a conversational guy at heart. So he's been in there over two years now, I think doing 60 to 70 deals a year, setting appointments for our agents, helping us convert the leads that we have coming in. Um, but honestly, we were two months ago thinking about growing that department out. We just don't know where we want to go. It's kind of a weird, we're trying to figure out what shift we want to make. Do we hire out and have 10, uh, an entire team of ISAs? Or do we bring it back to the agents and, and leave it agent focused, agent first? So we're kind of in the, in, in the between there. We're honestly leaning towards sending it back to the agents, I think. How many appointments is he doing a month? Uh, 25 or so. Okay. Yeah. And that's, we're seeing some pretty bad, uh, I guess he's overwhelmed. So we have far too many leads coming in for what he should be handling. I'm like, he's qualified in any given day. He's got 150 people in it. Then you have his new, his watch, which would be like a, a year out within a year. He's got like 500 people in there. So uh, he's trying to just not drown at this point which is why we're thinking about moving to some more ISAs. Either, either more ISAs or start feeding leads to agents and make him, make him go hunt. Right. Yeah. One and of those. I, and I think that's what we were thinking. Cause he's, I mean, he's been around, he's been at trainings. I think he's going to be a rock star agent. I think it's a good time for him to progress into that and, and start earning some pretty high level commissions. Yeah. Okay. I think, you know, I've seen, I've seen that. I've actually seen that with my wife's team where she had an ISA, she actually had two ISAs, and then they wanted to move into being agents. She recently hired an ISA really to head up her ISA team that she's planning on building. And she specifically looked for someone who, like, they have no desire to be an agent. Their goal is to be on the phones, you know, setting appointments. And I think part of the trick to that is getting the right you talked about, you know, as an ISA, you can't make as much money. What if as an ISA, you could make as much money? Yeah. And you really could, honestly. Our ISA, it really just came back. So it, it wasn't a, the best position for him. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, we're currently, we're trying to get creative with some ways to recruit agents. I think we're going to, because of our small sample size of agents here, we're going to start. Um, we've been in communications with a headhunter, like a recruiter, and going after outside of real estate sales industry professionals to bring them into our organization. And I think when doing that, we might come across some people that would rather be more of like a nine to five type in the office, um, sales oriented type person that's making calls all day right now. Yeah. Um, that would be just, just fine and suited to make calls in an office all day. Yeah. So currently, how are you tracking your ISA leads and how do you, what, how do you measure? Okay. They set this many appointments for these people. 
these people went on the appointments, these people didn't. How do you how do you keep track of all that? Yeah, uh, so a mixture of CSU and, and to dos. So we use our Boomtown as our CRM. Uh, he schedules it for them in Boomtown, and then he sets himself also a to do to follow up like the day after to make sure that they met or did not meet that appointment, so we can track that set to met ratio. So really, it's just a mixture of that integration that we have with Boomtown and CSU. Uh, to see what our ratios are going to look like there. Well, good. I don't know if Zach told you. I'm guessing not. He probably isn't aware, but we do have a new ISA report coming out here with our next release. Not the one this week, but the one in two weeks that will uh, give you a whole new level of insights there. Just all everything on one page. So Awesome. Right. That'll be awesome. He'll love that. Yeah, it, it'll make it'll make it really easy for him to see who converts on his leads and who doesn't. Yeah. And that's always something we're tracking and always a, a, a soft spot, you know, you're like, cause you want to give the agents the fair opportunities, but I, I can't tell you, we do track that. We track how many leads they're getting, how many end up in their archive, how many end up in their closed. Um, and in fact, I mean, I have that, a piece of paper right here with those numbers on there that my ops manager um, sent over to me the other day. So yeah, those are important numbers to know for sure. Cause it, that's a coaching point for you. Um, so you can go to those agents that are maybe producing or performing lower work with them, or even have the agents that are producing higher there work with the agents that are producing lower a little bit and help mentor them, um, to get their conversion up with those leads. Yeah. I remember when it was, everything was around the shark tank conversation, right? Yeah. Just let your agents fight for these leads or distribute them all equally, and now I'm seeing more and more and more, especially from our customers who know their lead source ROI and conversion ratios, and not only as a team, but at an agent level. And I can tell you, I've spoken with so many team owners who, you know, they only give Zillow leads to their top five agents to convert Zillow leads. They only give OpCity to the ones that convert OpCity. They only give ISA leads to the top three to five that convert ISA leads. So... Is that something you're doing to, to run your business where you're really discovering which agents are better which with which lead type? And and how do you determine that if so? Yeah, so not really. We try to keep it a level, a level playing field. I can say that the agents that aren't converting leads well aren't typically on lead rotation um, because they're, they're missing on other parts of their business as well. So they kind of weed themselves out for us. But again, I mean, in order to be on lead rotation, what does somebody have to do in your business? Yeah. So I think this is great for people to hear, right? Like, yeah. So we, uh, so they've got to hit their prospecting goal for the week. Um, they've got to hit, uh, they've, they've got to have their active categories and their CRM cleaned up so they can have people behind, but we want to see less than 10 of those leads being neglected, um, in there. They've got to come to our team meeting, which is required on Tuesdays. And then if they're not at their progressive sales goal, they've got to be at our team training and then dialogue training. So they've got four of those five. Um, We do give them the ability to not hit four out of five one week. It gets If they have two weeks back to back, that's when they fall off. We do get that you might have a crazy week one week, you know, and you just can't make a couple meetings because you've got five closings going on and walkthroughs. But back-to-back weeks is where we start questioning the, that lead handoff. Okay, so if they're overperforming, you're good if they miss a week. But let's say they miss two weeks, and maybe there's one of those is they're prospecting. They're not having the conversations they need to have. They didn't show up to a meeting. 
you just now you're going to pull them off of lead rotation and that's just for one week they're that's off. Good. Yeah, that's for that week. That gives them the time to get cleaned up. You know, to get in there, get all, caught up on their calls, get focused back on their real estate. And they they simply share a calendar with our ISA of, of their availability. So if they're not on lead rotation, he just minimizes their calendar from his calendar and he doesn't even see their availability um, okay. for that week. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I think that's great. There are so many ways to do that. And uh, just hearing hearing all the different ways, I think is extremely valuable because it kind of depends on what sort of leader you are, right? How do you, how do you, do you want to break it up where you only give certain lead types to certain people or do you want to give everyone the same leads and just not give them any leads if they're not uh, performing the way they need to? Yeah. Yep. And then seller leads, you know, those play a little different. We do make um, those go to more high, higher producing agents, of course, um, in our market, the commission payout on a seller lead is um, at least twice as high as a buyer lead. So explain that. What do you mean by that? If you've been enjoying Grits, please help us continue to grow the channel by leaving a five-star review and sharing it with a friend. Now back to Grits. So is the, oh. the BAC is lower than the... Yeah, so the buyer, uh, the buyer leads in our market... In Nebraska, really, it's always been like a 60-40 split. 60% goes to the listing agent, 40% to the, to the buyer's agent. But a few years ago, for some reason in Lincoln, it went to 2% payout for buyers, for buyer's agents. And so if you're taking 6 or 7% listings, you're walking away with 4 or 5% on the list side, which makes it far more advantageous to carry a listing in our markets than in most markets where it's a 3% split. So... Because those are far bigger money makers, we want to make sure those are in the closer's hands. So for that, we set just minimum requirements. So we're not handing over, you know, listings to brand new agents. Yeah. So for those of you listening, I mean, I don't know this has happened in your area. I know that hasn't happened in Utah yet, uh, but I do know there are a lot of power listing agents now that will say, guess what? I'm going to take three and a half percent. I'm going to give you two and a half percent. But it's not to the extent of what's happening. It sounds like that's a standard thing in Nebraska. No, this is just in Lincoln. It's just yeah. in Lincoln. Okay. Just in Lincoln. It's it's unfortunate for sure. Um, yeah, it makes, especially in this market, you know, we've got no inventory. Buyers are out there, you know, writing and negotiating 18 offers for one client. And at the end of the day, they walk away with 2%, where five years ago, they got paid 2.8 to write and negotiate one offer. Yeah. So, so Matt, I'm guessing going through your head right now and over the last year probably is how do I get more listings? Yep. And that's what we've been investing in a, a lot higher this year. About halfway through last year, we just started setting up way more back-end funneling of, of seller leads, getting lead, seller type leads into our funnels, getting postcards going out, HomeBot going out, more follow-up on sellers. Um, knowing that that's it's that's not going to change for us, you know. Um, and then because we have an in-house marketing guy, that helps us sell ourselves to them as well. You know, we're not just I'm not an old bartender that kind of tries to do Facebook. You know, we've got a guy with a degree that's going to be marketing your home for you. Uh, so that's helped us a lot. Yeah, good, good. Any other things you're doing to to drive listings? Uh, our agents, um, prospect, we do challenges right now. We have a challenge going, um, it's a battle of the sexes challenge. So, 
our male agents are, are competing against our female agents for listing appointments and sign listing agreements. So we're doing that right now. So how do you, how do you run that challenge? I mean, you make that sound easy, but how, how do you run a sales challenge? Yeah, we just take it to them. Uh, it's set up in CSU, you know, using CSU challenges and create groups. So we just put all the boys in one group, all the gals in the next group. And uh, every uh, appointment they realize they get five points. And I think every listing they take, they get 15 points. And uh, at the end of the month, the winner, the winning group gets a happy hour. And we try to have fun with that. Sometimes we have like masseuses at those, like chair massages. And then the losing coach, because I have a business partner as well. Um, so she's handling the, the women's side. I'm handling the men's side. The losing coach gets pied in the face. So uh, I'm actually scheduling. That's probably, that's probably what they like most about it, right? I think so. Yeah, yeah. So I'm uh, I'm actually going to sit down and, and prospect myself and hand over some listing appointments to some of my male agents here to try to just get some some points stacked for us here over the next couple of weeks. But uh, yeah, we've I mean we've paid a monthly mortgage. We've done you know tickets and dinner to a concert. Um, we we try to run a, a six to eight challenges a, a year uh, to just get motivation. It helps us try to target place spaces in our business where we might be weak. So yeah. if we realize, hey, we're kind of behind where we want to be with listings, let's do everything we can to incentivize some listing type activity. Yeah, I think that's awesome. I've also noticed that it really has an impact on the culture. Like I'm guessing right now, all of your guys are holding each other accountable instead of you having to do that all the time. A little bit, yeah. Yeah, they're, they're nice. probably pushing each other. Do you do you have a Slack channel going on where they're all chatting in the groups to to do some of that motivation? No, no, not quite. But we have been emailing back and forth, you know, some texting here and there, um, yeah. which is really nice. Yeah. Okay, that's great. Let's see. So I wanted to ask you, like. Just in your opinion, if you're a new team leader today, just starting out, like what are the keys? What are the must, what are the five things, three to five things that you absolutely must do to be successful in your business? Well, track your numbers. As a new team leader, you know, you don't have the ability to just throw money away. So know where you're spending your money, know where that's going. Definitely hire a TC if at all, just for your own purpose. So you don't have to focus on all that backend stuff on transactions because there's a lot that goes to building a team. Numbers leads. I'm, we're big on training. It doesn't matter you know, what level agent you are. We're huge on training. You can never learn too much. So figure out training, whether you pay for it. There's dozens of, of training organizations out there anymore. Um, Jeff Cohen has one with ERS. So we, we have a membership to that as well. Um, but we do in-house training for everything, um, which has been nice now because, like I said, we have an ops manager that can help with training. We have a marketing guy. Um, the marketing guy is phenomenal. I mean, he can he goes into the nitty gritty on how to set up your Google profile to get people to find you online, your Facebook, your LinkedIn, how to shoot video, how to edit video, all of that stuff. Not to mention having a good marketing person on your on your staff. Our organic traffic has gone through the roof. With his, with how he's been, you know, tagging photos and data that goes out there. Um, before he started, you know, organically, we were getting 10, 12 leads a month through Google. And we're, we're at like 80, 90 leads a month right now. Yeah. I mean, we've seen huge increases in that. I mean, it basically pays the salary, you know, with how much leads cost anymore. So training, leads, 
tracking what you're doing and then a TC, I would say those are four things that you've just got to have. I, w- I would imagine you could run a team, but your team's not going to grow where you want it to grow if it's if it's just the Matt Mick team and it's just me trying to do everything behind the behind the scenes. And yeah. So track your numbers. Yep. Make sure you have a TC, get some good training. Yep. And provide good training to your agents, right? Yeah. And then make sure you have an in-house marketing person so that you can really drive organic leads. Yeah, that marketing, I mean, and honestly, I've been I've been looking at some other models where we bring in like psychologists, you know, to, to lead our sales team. I mean, they're all over the place, you know. It used to be this just taboo thing, but now you have sports psychologists, you have elementary psychologists, you have, they're all over the place. So bringing in a professional that can ask the right questions at the right time to get to the real motivation for your staff, for your agents. I've been really looking at that and seeing what the ROI on that would be. You know, it's a whole other level, right? It's, I don't, I don't know that I've heard of anybody that necessarily has that on their team. There's a sales lead that has that psychology background. It'd be, I'm, I'm interested in seeing what that would look like for an investment on our end. I've been, like I said, digging into it a little bit. Yeah. You, uh, you may want to talk to Spring about that. She brought in somebody who used to be a speaker for Tony Robbins. And you may have, you may have heard him. I've brought him into our masterminds a couple of times, but he really coaches on mindset. And you know, it's kind of what you're talking about, right? You're going to train them how to think. And 80% of what we do comes from our mindset. And so if, or 90%. <laughs> so if, if your mindset's not there, if I talk to Justin, he would say 100%. Because really, that's where it all starts. So I think that's great advice. No, it definitely is. You know, I'm a high D on, you know, the disc. Um, we have a lot of agents on our team that aren't high Ds. And I I find that I'm not the the best leader for those people, right? Because I look and I'm just like, just, just, just go do this. Um, and that might not be their personality to just go do that. I need to be saying or motivating them in other ways. And so bringing someone into the organization that could do that, I think is going to help us grow quite a bit. So um, that's something that we are looking for here as we move forward. Matt, I think it's great. You recognize that. Uh, In my opinion, most team leaders are high Ds. (laughs) (laughs) And most people who are on a team are not. And if they were, they probably would be a team leader instead of being on your team. Yep. Right. So anyway, sometimes as leaders, we expect the people that we're leading to, to think like we think. And that's, you know, you can't expect that. Right. Or you think them, you expect them to get the same results you get. You can't expect that. So anyway, it's uh, just just being aware of that consciously is going to, to have an impact on how you're able to, to really lead and guide them. So. No, for sure. Yeah. I mean, everything in our organization is kind of stemmed off of that. And uh, making sure that you can, that's where the shift is for us, right? It's not necessarily the market, it's the mindset. So getting agents, getting them into the right mindset, because they'll come in here and you go over goals and their goals to do this. But if they don't have the right mindset to do what it takes to get there, even if, you know, we're tracking and we say, hey, like last year, it took you 26 conversations to go under contracts, 26 conversations was 140 call attempts. Um getting them to do that sometimes is the most difficult part, even though they know the answer, right? So finding someone that can really just show them the way that understands how the mind works a little higher level, 
um, I think it really changed an entire organization. Yeah, which goes back to what you suggested, which is their why. Yep. And so if, you know, uh, about 10 years ago when Simon Sinek came out with his whole why, why, what, how, right? So um, I actually sat down with our team and this was a, you know, different business I was involved with at the time. But we had everybody watch that. He did a, a just a, like an hour long presentation on it, which was extremely valuable. And then we just met about it and it made a big difference. I think getting people to understand their why is one of the challenges of a leader. Yeah, no, it really is. And it's more than them just saying what their why is. I mean, it's so much deeper than that. And uh, getting to that is, is, some, is really tough. And I think that's why most agents, like you said, one out of 10 don't make it, right? Because they can't really harness what their why is that'll get them up in the morning and get them, you know, to get dressed and get to the office and do what needs to be done. Yeah, it's that why, for sure. Yeah. And as a team leader, you can help your people discover that and give them tools and make sure they're just selling instead of having to manage transactions. And the list yeah. goes on and on. So, so much value of being on a team. So, Matt, I know two team leaders in Lincoln and you guys are both crushing it. It's a small market. Do you two own like 100% of that market or what's, what's <laughs> the situation there? Yeah, I think, you know, last year we did, so we did 339 units last year. And I think that, that was about 8% of our markets. I've seen numbers here there. I haven't looked at them quite yet this year uh, of just total sales. And I think we're, I mean, we're pacing over 10%, which is pretty awesome being one team. I think our brokerage told us that we're like half of their production. Um, and cool thing about our brokerage is we joined them they were in a closet, honestly. We came over, they had like five agents and we doubled the size of the brokerage. They were out of, they were in Omaha, different markets uh, predominantly. Um, so we, we came on, they had good leadership and uh, now they're the top brokerage in town three years later. So uh, they've got more agents than any other brokerage and signs all over town. So I think we made the good move there, but it's been interesting seeing that growth as well and seeing just the mindset that, that this whole organization has taken. Yeah. Great. Anything else, like any last advice? I have a few personal questions I'd like to ask you, but I really appreciate you walking us through just the things you've done to take your business from 130 transactions up to 500 this year. I think it's phenomenal. And I love being able to, to be a part of that. I, know, I mean, I know you and I don't talk every day, but we've definitely had time together and I've gotten a lot of great insights and feedback from you. So I appreciate that as well. But anything, anything that you would like to share outside of what we've discussed today? No, I mean, just always keep learning. You know, that's that's the tough part. I, I can tell you last year with COVID, I kind of felt like I was in a cage all year. You know, it wasn't able to get out, go to different conferences, talk to other team owners. Um, so if you haven't done that, if you're new to the business, um, find those and don't go to the big ones. You know, find the, the niche ones, the smaller ones where you actually have time to sit down and talk with people. You know, the guys on stage, you're going to see later on that day sitting in a crowd with you. I mean, that's where it's at. Read books, podcasts. Um, that's where we're always telling our agents, you know, we can we can tell you to do a bunch of stuff. You're probably not going to listen to us. But if, if you listen to four different people on podcasts and read two different books and you're getting the same message out of it, then that's probably going to lead you in the right direction. So that's that's where I'm at with that. Yeah. 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 It's, that's really great advice. 
for anybody. I don't care if you're an agent, team leader, business owner, anybody. Always, always be learning, always be growing. So it sounds like you do that through a combination of books, podcasts, and events. And yeah. these mastermind events, I think really, like you said, if you can get these niche events, you're really digging in with, you're able to spend some one-on-one time with pretty much anybody at that event and really learn learn the things you want to learn. It's kind of like today, I get to learn anything I want from you. But if you're the ones asking the question, you get to, you get to learn the things that are going to have an impact on your business. Yeah. And even being a fly on the wall in some of those, you know, you know, just hearing the, the, the failures and, and the other people have failed, you know, people you might look up to, they failed, they, they've overcome it. It was, wasn't necessarily a failure. It was just a learning experience for them as a new agent, as a team leader, you can get a lot out of that. So yeah. you get lost in those big events, you know, family reunion, what is there like 40,000 people at those things? I would, yeah, find the smaller events and, and actually have some good conversations with people for sure. Good. Well, we are getting ready to have, last year we had kind of a CISO event, but it was virtual. So we're getting ready to have an event this year and I'm super excited about uh, us having our first event. So Matt, tell me what is your favorite book or podcast that you learn from? Yeah. Well, this podcast, of course, Brent. <laughs> yeah. uh, this is a good podcast though. I, uh, I told my ISA that I was going to be on another podcast and he can see my calendar and he came in this morning when I got on here and he was super excited about this podcast. He was like, dude, I listened to grit. Oh, <laughs> and I was cool. like, dude, that's awesome. Books though, you know, extreme ownership is a book that I really enjoyed reading. Relentless. I found what that was a really good, really good book as well. Both of those just come back. If you're going to be a leader, they just come back about taking ownership. Like you make the calls. So uh can't really throw it on anybody else. And here lately I've been using uh, a a few pages out of the miracle morning, you know, waking up a little bit earlier, you know, having some of my own time, getting some stretching in. So miracle morning is also um, a pretty good book too. Yeah. All right. Thank you. Yeah. So you're there in Nebraska, you're there in Lincoln. When you want to get out and go, go have fun and go travel. Where's your favorite place to go? You know, uh, I really enjoy Frisco, Colorado. I don't know how familiar with Colorado because you guys have your own mountains and stuff up there in Utah, but it's a, it's a lot quieter town than some of those other mountain resort towns up there. So we try to get away. My wife's been pregnant, so we haven't traveled as much as we'd like to, but Frisco is where I, it's, I like just getting away for a week there and just breathing fresh air for sure. That's great. I've been a lot of places in Colorado, but I, I'm not even familiar with Frisco. So where, where's that located? Uh, You know where like Lake Dillon is? Yeah. It's, it's right on the shore of Lake Dillon. Like I said, it's a smaller little quaint spot. It's just nestled right in there, right by Breck and Keystone, yeah, um, Silverthorne. So it, it's, it's, it's an older population for sure, um, but it's quiet. And sometimes you just need to get away and have some quiet. Yeah. Great. I'll have to check that out. What about in your spare time, like your personal time while you're at home? Like what, are, what are some of the things you like to do? Yeah. You know, golfing's, I'm trying to pick up golfing. Uh, I married a college golfer. Uh, I've never beat her once. <laughs> so, uh, I've been trying to do more of that. I'm, I've been taking her off year. I call it cause she's pregnant <laughs> to try to see if I can position myself to get her on the rebound here. Um, so I've been tr- picking up quite a bit of golfing and then, uh, just raising my, I have a five-year-old daughter and then we have a daughter on the way. So this year has been just prepping for that. 
Good. Congratulations. Sounds Thanks. like you're going to have a whole uh, family of female golfers. I, I hope. <laughs> hey, the great thing about golf is, and the world is changing now, getting a scholarship is changing all the time. But I remember golf being like the one thing that if you were a female golfer, you're pretty much guaranteed to be able to get a college scholarship if you chose to. That's right. My wife had a full ride for it, which was nice. So yeah. Yeah. Great. Um, all right, Matt. Well, thanks for being on the show today. I really enjoyed just seeing and learning about how you've gotten to where you, where you have, cause I still remember meeting you and seeing your business. And now, I mean, you know, one of the things I would say is, you know, it might be time for you to start putting on some of these events and uh, doing your thing along those lines. So <laughs> one of these days. Yeah. All right. Well, congratulations on all of your success. And uh, everybody, thanks for joining us on the show today. If you'll reach out and give us a review, that helps us bring in some of these top team leaders, top business owners. And uh, we'll look forward to seeing you guys all on next week of the Grit Podcast. Thank you for joining. Thanks a lot, Matt. Hey, thanks, Brian. Thank you for joining us on our podcast. If you have an interest in a free seven-day trial of Sisu, go to sisu.co. S-I-S-U dot C-O. Make sure that you use the coupon code GRIT, that's G-R-I-T, to waive all your setup fees and receive a 10% discount on your subscription. If you enjoyed listening to this podcast and want to subscribe, search GRIT, the real estate growth mindset on iTunes, Spotify, or Podbean. And with that, we'll catch you next time. Take care.